0: fruit tree was a lot healthier following the pruning even though it looked more bare and the temptation to think that fullness is not always associated with health sometimes less is more and I think there's been a pruning season and John twelve twenty four 24 um, says oh thanks son. I'll read it on this in the new living translation I tell you the truth unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and diets it remains alone But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. And you know, that season of surrender, pruning, letting God go deeper, I think ultimately has produced fruitfulness and harvest. It's allowed God to go deeper. It's positioned us for that. Or the English Standard Version says, Truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and it dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So I just wanted to encourage you, church. The journey that we've been on, God doing something deeper, the surrender, the dying to ourselves, the serving God, not my will but yours, I think has positioned us for great fruitfulness. But the vision as we presented it last year was simply to grow, last week, sorry, to grow in relationship with Jesus and each other. And as we shared, the rest will flow from that. And the, the verse prophetically that we had been spoken to us and that we felt was for us this year from Zechariah 8.12, the seed will grow well and the vine will produce its fruit. So that's just linking in with everything I've just said. Growth, fruitfulness and the five words that I had prophetically that we shared that we felt was going to define this year based on that dream was fruitfulness Um, again that dream the fruit everywhere and growth acceleration of growth rejoicing the next generation running ahead spoke about the next generation being like arrows and how in that dream I had the kids run ahead and I spoke about peace and wholeness springing up as It says the vine will produce its fruit. This vine that was in Zechariah 8 is a peace vine. All right, so that was last week. And if that made no sense, just tap onto SoundCloud. I think it'll make more sense if you listen to the whole message. So the vision is to grow in relationship with Jesus and each other. The mission, if that's the vision, the mission is to love others and i spoke about um last week that we had too much to share so we've split it into two and this week we want to talk about the second part of zechariah 8:12, where it says the ground is producing its crop and the heavens are dropping their dew and i just believe the crop that just speaks of people's lives salvation people coming into relationship with jesus and the heavens dropping their dew i believe there's an open heaven over relationship I spoke about how there had been an assault on relationship, um, not just within here, but I just think in society at large, there's an assault on relationship. It's so easy to become disconnected, but I believe the enemy was revealing his hand because God is wanting to bless relationship and reconcile people to him and one another, and we're coming into a season of graced relation, relational connection, I believe. 1 Corinthians 16.9, in, in relation to all of this, says, it might pop up, Um, because a great door for effective work has been opened to me and there are many who oppose me. Paul writes this and Sam Monk talks about this. He spoke about this at the beginning of the year that he believes there's been a great door open for effective work and it just so resonated. I think there's a door that's open at the moment for effective work to connect people to Jesus, for people to find healing, wholeness, all those fruits that I believe we're carrying on our lives for others, the goodness and the peace and the love. People are reaching out for those things and I believe it's going to draw people to God there's an open door for effective work and it does talk about there being opposition who knows it's not easy so there's an open door for harvest there's a crop of salvation and Bobby Houston says this revival doesn't fall from the sky it springs up from within us from the work within and you know revival comes as we allow Jesus to do a work within us and that's why what we spoke about last week, growing in relationship with Jesus and each other, is so important. Because as we grow in relationship with Jesus and each other, naturally the work that's within flows out to others. Naturally we're going to reflect Jesus. Naturally we're going to be spurred on to share his love with others. And naturally our desire, our heart will beat for what Jesus' heart beats for, which is for those who don't know him. And you know, it's such a weighty thing, I think, to carry that burden for others, that, that burden to love others was ultimately what led Jesus to the cross to lay down his life and I think there's something that we're going to grow in in that this year of just carrying that burden, and that love for others and I'll share a bit more on that but I'm excited because a lot of what was in my notes for today was spoken about at Colour Conference So, I've, and there's lots of little other snippets which I've been able to weave in and just sorry for the ladies that were at Colour, I'm going to have to hear some of it twice but I just think God's speaking and it's so great to be able to draw on um, all the plethora of wisdom from others. So 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 21, talks about us being ministers of reconciliation. You know, God has reconciled us to him through Jesus and now we have the same ministry that we can actually help others be reconciled to Jesus. And um, Bobby Houston says reconciliation, reconciliation is basically redeeming things that have been lost to division. As I said, there's been an assault on relationship. There's lots of division in our society and The beautiful thing about reconciliation is we get to redeem those things that have been lost to division. And reconciliation, Bobby says, is the heart of God and it's the entrusted responsibility of every believer. And it's a learned art, something we grow in. Who knows when we're relating to others, when we're drawing them to God, when we're connecting, loving others, it's something we grow in, I think. It's something we can become even better at the more we do it. All right. And I just believe, church, that as you've been faithful With what god has entrusted to you as you've been faithful with maybe opening up your heart to god allowing him to go deeper surrendering trusting him through hard times as you've been faithful with the relationships god has put in your hand there's more god's entrusting more and i really believe 2019 is a year of more and dean spoke so well on that faithfulness opening up more a few weeks ago if you want to listen to that message all right so this week the ground is yielding its crop the heavens are dropping their dew Salvation is springing up on the earth. There's a wide open door for effective ministry. Uh, and the dew of heaven is falling on relationships. But I want to get practical. Um, as I said, there's a grace on relationships. God wants to use us to reconcile others to him. But it is something we grow in. So I have got a few points here from lots of different people. Some that I had just myself been thinking on. And then some from Carl Lentz. Some from Bobby. Patrick Libalangi, A guy called Nathan. I forget his name from Carla Conference. Sh- can, who can remember it? i washer see my notes somewhere so um let's go along for a little ride so i think in terms of loving others and ministering to others and reconciling them to god there's some key tips that i think can be helpful for us so the first one is empathy and compassion this was spoken about at color conference but patrick spoke about this too when he was here he said every time jesus did a miracle he felt compassion when there was compassion, it led him to do miracles. And so I think Leanne said to me the other day, I've been praying for compassion because obviously that's what leads to miracles. And I think that's a great prayer to pray, God, may we have compassion for what others are, growing, are going through. But empathy and compassion are two different things. Compassion starts with empathy. Empathy is feeling a burden for someone else. Compassion is that feeling that burden and then wanting to help. So I guess we can't have compassion if we don't first have empathy. It starts with empathy. And I believe as we do journey with Jesus, the more we journey with him, the more we develop and grow in empathy, the more we feel pain for what others are going through, the more we tap into the heart of God for others. I know that's been my story as I've entered into a relationship with Jesus and grown in relationship with Jesus. Not only has it changed my life and I've grown a lot from that, but the more I've journeyed with Jesus, the more my heart breaks for what other people are going through. The more you know, I see people who are growing up maybe in pain or there's conflict or where there's brokenness I just my heart breaks for them and I feel such a burden and I just think for all of us as we grow in relationship with Jesus may our hearts become softer and softer to the plight of others may our hearts always be breaking for what others are going through because it's empathy that drives us to compassion which drives us to help others and actually get into people's lives and see miracles happen and it's actually you know sometimes when we feel a burden for someone else maybe we'll cry sometimes I find myself just weeping for maybe it's a what someone a school mum's told me about what she's going through with her kids or maybe it's for what um, people are going through in overseas countries I think um, it's standing in the gap when we feel the pain of what someone else is going through and we pray. And we don't just sit in that pain, but we lift those burdens up to God and say, God, I can't imagine what these people are feeling, but I know we serve a God who helps. I know you can intervene in this situation because, you know, some people don't know how to call out to God, but we can call out to God on their behalf. And I believe that's what God is calling us to do in a greater way, church. Stand in the gap, feel the pain, engage in what those in our world are feeling and be moved by compassion um, to make a difference. And I believe that our tears actually, water soil, water seeds, softens the ground for harvest. And it talks about in Jeremiah 9 verse 17, this is what the Lord Almighty says, Consider now, call for the wailing women to come, send for the most skillful of them. So isn't that interesting? It's talking about the wailing women, the women who weep and whose hearts break for others, I guess in a way to intercede to stand in the gap. And it says call for the most skillful of them. So isn't it interesting that we can become more skillful in our weeping, in our praying, in our carrying of burdens for others? And I believe, as I said, there's a weightiness to that and something that God wants to develop in us. And I found myself um, uh, just weeping this week for, as I said, I sometimes feel burdens, or well, always feel burdens for the people we're relating to in our world. But one of the school mums, one of our boy's friends, I hadn't seen her for a while and she kind of, We'd been connecting with her and I just hadn't seen her and there was, wasn't much connection there. And when I saw her, she was a little bit shut off and I just thought, oh, well, I'm not going to push it. You know, you love others if there's a door there, but you don't want to push yourself onto anyone. But then I saw her the other day and she just ended up pouring out her heart about how her son had been having mental health battles and anxiety and wasn't sleeping and was just waking up screaming at night and was struggling with obviously sleepovers and having friends over and her and her husband were just like their hearts were breaking for him and and she was telling me my heart was just breaking for her to imagine what she was going through and to also think I was beginning to think oh what wonder why she's so shut off like have we done anything or said anything so self-focused it was nothing to do with us it was she was in her own world of pain and she was processing that and when the time was right she was ready to talk about it and that was just a little opportunity to sow some hope and just to listen to what she was going through and I did end up just weeping for her and saying, God, you see this boy's pain and I pray that you can intervene and you can carry this and you can break through. So again, I could have heard that and just been like, oh, yeah, that's sad moved on or I could have allowed that situation to break my heart allowed empathy and compassion to rise up in a way that led me to weeping and praying interceding and standing in the gap and calling on God to break through in this young boy's life and I'm believing to hear good testimonies we're going I'm going to keep praying for this boy until we hear of breakthrough because who knows it's not God's will for anyone to be suffering like that all right So empathy and compassion will change your life and as I said, it'll break you at times, it'll wreck you, it's not all glamorous, Um, it hurts sometimes when you actually engage in the pain of the world around you. It says in Matthew 24, one of the signs of the times is coldness of heart and um, it says lawlessness will increase and the love of many will grow cold and this was spoken about this week too. May we not let our heart grow cold, may our heart continually be broken in the best of ways for a world that desperately needs people who care and who are willing to engage in their pain. And I've got some really, I thought, great tips on empathy, which a lady called Catherine shared at Colour. And um, yeah, she shared this yesterday, and I just quickly added it into my notes, because I think they're really great tips. And she said, empathy doesn't mean we agree with people. It means we identify with their stories as humans. And I thought that was really good, because sometimes we only feel for people who agree with us but she's basically saying, you know, we can feel empathy even for people if they have a different worldview. And she gave us five tips to actually be growing in our empathy. She said, read, read lots of books, read lots of different perspectives on things because when we understand other people's perspectives, it does help us to empathise. As she said, we don't have to agree, but if we understand where someone's coming from, it does help us to empathise. And if you don't like reading YouTube or I don't know, podcasts, TED Talks, um, whatever, whatever floats your boat, She said, secondly, controversially, follow people on social media who you don't agree with because it helps you see both, helps you see different perspectives and you know so often we can have these extreme perspectives but often there's balance in the middle so isn't it good to follow someone with a different perspective to us maybe to enlighten us a little and she did say bobby did say this and i agree we can follow someone but it's good to often refrain from getting into vain arguments as it says in the bible i know for me often i just really want to comment something but i do feel like okay i'm just going to refrain i'm not going to get drawn into this and josh is going to talk more about this but i think for us as christians to be peacemakers to be getting along and not arguing with one another on public forums is a good thing so we Wisdom should be applied in that. Follow people who challenge you and challenge your well view but also don't always be provoked to bite. And there is times to speak up but wisdom, wisdom in that. She talked about psychic numbness too, thirdly. And she says when more, if one person dies, you know, it's sad, it's tragic and you can relate to that one and you can put yourself in their shoes and their family's shoes but when more than one person dies, it's a psychological concept that it's almost like it's too much for our brains to comprehend so we switch off. So say if we hear of thousands of people dying, it's like, oh, yeah, that is sad. But we can sometimes switch off from the pain of that because it's too much to comprehend. So she said a way to process that, to engage in that, to empathise with that is to think of the one, the everyone. It's not thousands, it was one and it was another life and then there was another individual and another individual and I just think that's a really powerful concept and even in our own community, there might be thousands of people out there but everyone is an individual and everyone is a one and as we're ministering and loving others, sometimes it can seem like a stretch to be relating to the many but I feel there's going to be a grace to minister to each individual, to everyone, to see right into their situation, to see right into their worlds and we can minister to many but I think, like she said, the key is to see each as an individual. So I thought that was really cool. Um, And the fourth one was choose to see below the surface, be curious, ask questions. You know, if a child's misbehaving, there's often a reason. And the fifth one was praying. Um, So they were just some tips from Catherine which I thought were really good for us just to be um, pondering. So that was all under empathy and compassion. We can't help people if we don't care. So may God continue to develop empathy in us, compassion for others. And I think as we grow in that, we're naturally going to grow in wanting to help others and as we grow in relationship with Jesus naturally we're going to grow in that all right secondly so the first one was empathy and compassion secondly God wants us um wants to help us relate to others well and I was talking to Rowena my sister-in-law her mum they were both at color and she was having dinner with Ebony and Rosie and I one night and we were talking about just connecting with people and she said she's a scripture teacher and she's had some difficult kids in her class with lots of behavioural issues and one of her mentors said to her, if you can find a way to connect with these kids, you'll probably find that their behaviour settles and just connecting with them is key and so this one boy who was very difficult, she sat down with him and she was trying to just find a connection point with him and as she sat with him, he ended up saying, my dad's off fighting in the army and Sue, who's got a son who's off in the army also said, oh I've got a son who's in the army and he's also overseas at the moment and This little boy's eyes just kind of lit up and like, oh, you understand a little bit of my world. And there was a connection there. And she said, I kid you not, from that point on, he sat in class and he listened and he respected what we were saying. And I just thought it was beautiful. And she shared another story where she was able to connect with a child over a, a family friend. And I think that's so true. We can find some way to connect with people to get into their worlds. It opens up a door of just relational trust and just opening. So may we figure out how to connect with people and even get better at that. And then I saw this man on Sunrise who was an entrepreneur who's now travelling around the world just wanting, and I think they were calling him like the male Mother Teresa, just wanting to connect with people. And he said, if we can connect with others, if we can truly connect with others, magic happens. And that was his story. He's gone around just connecting with human hearts and getting into their worlds. And I think that's so true in a world that is increasingly isolated. We're all like more connected than ever in terms of globalisation. But, oh, thank you there's um lots of division and isolation and separation so a few I guess specific tips on relating to one another well uh, this was shared this week we can share our our story and I think Bobby Houston said this if your story doesn't help the person you're talking to draw on someone else's story I've said that often oh look I've had a friend who's gone through this and I know this is what got them through and this is what helped and it's good for people to see that we've had a story too that we're not just like all walking talking perfection we've very much got issues and continue to have issues and just to be real with people and share about how jesus has changed our life sam monk says we the, we are writing the story of our lives on people's hearts so every time someone meets us and they hear our story we're writing something on their hearts of what we've been through and it sticks with them and um nathan finosio i think that's what it was um, spoke at color and he talks about how we're Jesus ambassadors and he says the idea of an ambassador is to represent someone and also break stereotypes and he said if you're a good ambassador you know you don't have to stress about necessarily saying the right words when you're evangelizing but our lives speak of the goodness and the grace of God and swell he spoke about that too when he spoke may we represent God well um, he also said it's important for us to be in the world you know how we say uh, we we're in the world but we're not of it but then some of us aren't even in the world. There's no risk of us being of it because maybe we're so busy in our own worlds. Maybe we're so busy with programs. <laughs> um, may we get into the world? If we want to connect with people, we've got to get into it. And um, and on that, and this is one of my great passions, we don't have to be weird <laughs> either. We don't, it says not to be of the world, but it doesn't mean we have to be weird. Um, we can be not of the world and still not be weird and yes we are a peculiar people and faith is foolishness to the world and we don't want to conform to the world and we don't compromise on the truth but some of the stuff that's maybe the way we talk and the way we relate is probably more like ingrained ways of things that we've invented along the way it's not necessarily the bible saying relate like this it's just the way we do things the christianese the way we talk i think sometimes we can just need to keep it simple in terms of relating to one another and like i could just say to someone Jesus has changed my life and he's given me hope when I was going through dark days and he's brought a wholeness in my heart that I never knew and I'm excited each morning to get up because I have a purpose in life or I could talk about like deliverance and the blood of Jesus and the powers of darkness and you know we can choose our language and it can all be truth but some's going to freak people out and make no sense and send them running and some's going to be like I get what you're saying I can actually relate a little bit to that so may we grow in our ability to just be wise with how we're talking to people and um, although this Nathan Fanatio said we do believe in a guy that was raised from the dead so it's a little bit weird and some parts of the gospel can't be sanitized but I think we can be wise there's a time and a place for everything and let's um, relate to others well and not be weird Christian freaks got it yeah yep. <laughs> all right and ultimately, the language of love transcends all. And um, sometimes people won't remember what we say, they'll just remember that we're speaking with love. And so if you have said something, and I've had times where I'm like, oh my gosh, I was such an idiot, I can't believe I said that. Or even in church, sometimes I think, oh, is this just freaky? I think often God covers. I think there is a grace. And when there's love, people ultimately feel that <laughs> above anything. But I also think we can grow in wisdom, a little bit of both. Hey? God covers, but as we grow in wisdom, then there's less that God has to fix up. <laughs> Um, anyway, so may we grow in our ability to relate in that sense. Carl Lentz talks about being prepared for different scenarios and he actually he, they shared about this at Colour, that he has in his head different scenarios of meeting different people. Okay, if I come across this situation, this is how I'm going to react. I think that's a really good tool and I was thinking about that. Okay, how would I respond to this and how would I respond to this? So if we meet someone and they're opening up about their situation, we're not caught off guard, but perhaps that we know how to engage with them and talk through that with them. And... Um, Someone said this at colour, I can't remember who. Talk about them. Talk about the person you're talking to. Don't just talk all about you. Get into their world, show you care and listen. And again with this lady, I didn't really talk much about myself. I was just asking her about her and she was talking about her world and her son and her life. So just listen, engage people in their worlds. And um, yeah, I think um, that's just a no-brainer, hey? This does seem simple, but isn't it? It's good to be reminded some of these things that we forget and um, Uh, good to be growing in our skill in this so the third point was empathy and compassion firstly and the second point was growing in our ability to relate the third point is audacious love and i think this helps with all those things i've spoken about Uh, growing just in the father's love and lisa harper at color spoke about the agape love of god which is basically i love you more than i love myself And that's the love that took Jesus to the cross that caused him to lay his life down. And I believe when you fully get a revelation of the agape love of God, it will change the course of your life. It'll change what you live for. It'll change how you love others. It'll change how you serve others because you realise it's not about us. It's about what God has done for us and it's about helping others enter into that. And you want to lay down your life to see others find that same love that you have found because you know it's the best thing ever. And on this love also, I've heard Carl Lunt. Carl Lentz say before love in their love language and that fits in with listening to them and Rosie was talking to me yesterday and she was saying I've been connecting with there's Rosie on oh, the back beautiful Rosie uh, I've been connecting with some different um, young girls in my life and she said I know their love language is time so I've just had to make some time to connect with them and I just thought how beautiful is that Rosie had noticed that was their love language even as she was stretched to the brim and she had to make some time for these ones and so I think for us who are the people in our life who we're dreaming of Salvation for? Who are the people who we'd love to see walking in relationship with God who we want to love? Love them in their love language. Figure out what it is and then shower them with that. And um Nathan Finocio at colours said the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came down in Acts, they immediately spoke other people's languages. And I thought this was really cool. He said, Maybe the Holy Spirit enables us to speak the language of others, to truly connect with them. And I thought, isn't that powerful? We might not in the natural be able to love others in their way or connect with them, but the Holy Spirit can enable us transcends language, transcends barriers to actually connect with all of humanity. So I thought that was really cool. So love audaciously was number three. Number four is serve radically. And Lisa Harper spoke about this too. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. He served them knowing they were going to betray him, knowing the great turmoil that was yet ahead. And I just thought, how challenging is that? The Son of Man came to serve and not be served. That is one thing and I think we can grow in our ability to serve. But Jesus served knowing the great betrayal that was ahead. So I guess we don't serve people because they serve us or because they're going to be treating us well. We serve our enemies. We serve regardless of what we know is ahead. We lay down our life for others. I think that is beautiful. Fifthly, radical, and I'm getting there. Is everyone still with me? Yeah, radical generosity. And this was part of the Matthew 5 vision statement that we've had for a long time. Be generous with your lives. Open up your lives. And as you do, people will open up their hearts to God. And I just think as we continue to grow in our ability to love, to serve, to be generous, people are naturally going to open up. And you are a generous church and a servant-hearted church. And I believe that's why that God has entrusted us already with so many people who have been drawn to him. But I believe there's more. And the sixth one is eternal perspective. It's good to remember when we're talking about loving others. I said at the beginning... There's a wide open door for effective work. And the second part was but there will be opposition. Who knows when we're loving others, when we're just in this journey of faith, there's going to be opposition. And I think it's good to remember when that comes that we don't live for this world. And the world will tell you it's all about now and it's all about you and it's all about me and what makes you comfortable. But that's not eternal perspective. That's not kingdom thinking. Kingdom thinking is we don't live for ourselves. Not my will but yours, God. Kingdom thinking is that we live for eternity and we live to actually see heaven full and hell empty. And so I think that helps us endure a little bit of discomfort. Maybe it's a stretch to serve and love others and be generous with our life and walk in empathy and compassion. Maybe it's a huge stretch. But I just try and remember that I'm not living for myself. I'm living for God. I'm living to see as many people in relationship with Jesus at the end of the day as possible. And, um, yeah, may God stir that eternal perspective in us, that insatiable perspective passion to see people reconciled to him that drove Jesus to the cross no matter what the cost all right number seven is and I'm going to get Josh up giving you warning hunt he's being peacemakers and I spoke about this last week when I said about that vine of peace and wholeness springing up that there was a fortification in our hearts in our lives in our togetherness a strength, there will be no breaching of walls. But I said we have a role to play in that, in actually cultivating that vine of peace, cultivating that atmosphere and that culture of peace. Isaiah 52.7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news and proclaims peace. There's something beautiful when we proclaim peace. And I just think in terms of ministering to a world and helping people be reconciled to God, reconciled to a relationship, I think we can start by getting along as Christians because if we're going to be like trying to love everyone in the world, but we're infighting, that's just completely hypocritical and it's cancelled our witness. So we've got to work a bit better, I think, at getting along well as Christian brothers and sisters and maybe sometimes putting aside our differences to love one another. And Josh is going to say it a lot better than me. So give him a hand as he comes up.
1: <coughs> cool. How are we all going? We're going good? Good? All right. Why did not you stand up for two seconds? Ryan's going to play a little... Thing for us, and you can have a little stretch, and then we'll get into my bit, all right? 40 seconds of stretching when he plays it. I can't touch. Can anyone touch their toes? That's me. I hit 16. Is it it coming, Perns? Or we're just going to have a random stretch? Here we go. You can dance, whatever, stretch it out. Cool. thanks, pants. That's um, from the offspring. Anyone remember them? Midway for the album. Cool. So, like Sarah said, I want to talk about um, peacemaking, and you know, there's so many ways that we can be an example to others. Um, We can see people come to know God, and and, you know, that's the goal. You know, that's the prize. So last week I spoke about the goal being our eyes focused on Jesus, but part of that, as we kick for the goal, the prize is seeing people come to God, and and um excuse me one of the best ways i can see that we can i know see people come to know god is through our our life through the actions of our life and and often it's not through the the word of what we're saying it's actually through just the way we live our life and one of the ways and i think this is so key and i heard a sermon on this um last year and i've just been dwelling on it since and i spoke about it at our team night is one of the ways is that um, it says in Matthew 5, verse 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be known as what? The sons of God. And that, so people, when people know that we are um, He's children of God, we know we're, we're actual Christians, we're actually peacemakers. And, and, and in three minutes later in that sermon, the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5, in verse 43 to 44, um, he kind of repeats himself. He says, You have heard, but it was said, You shall love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. (coughs) Be peacemakers. And um, I think it's so key. And it's obviously important for Jesus. In the space of three minutes, he's repeating himself twice here, saying, blessed are the peacemakers for now we know the children of God. And in a moment, I'm going to talk about... um, how we can do that through, just through the genius of who Jesus is and how. Um, but we've got to understand in those times, the, the people who Jesus were preaching to in that time were under a foreign military. They were in a in a country where there's, you know, the Roman soldiers are coming and taking over their land. So we've got to understand that. But I just want to um, quickly play another clip. Is that ready to go, Ryan? About being peacemakers. That's an awesome story, um, which is far better than I can say it. So just have a listen. <coughs>
2: A few years ago, I was invited to do um, uh, to study in Israel with a top history expert. So he, um, he rang me. Um, what had happened was is I had spoke at a conference with his son-in-law. His son-in-law gave him my teaching, and he rang me and said, Listen, um, we'd like to invite you to come speak at our synagogue in Jerusalem. And as a part of your payment... Um, I will take you around and teach you history 14 hours a day. Um, he said, "Let me be clear. I don't do tourist tours. I do academic tours. So you got to be okay with academia, right?" And I was like, "Oh no, perfect. perfect. Why don't I just come and you teach me?" And then skip the part where I speak to people about something they know more than me about, right? And so I went, and 14 hours a day, we went around Israel, and he taught me history, and. Um, this was I think it was the first thing he showed me. He showed me something that was so amazing that I responded with exclamation. Now, he speaks good English, but English isn't his first language. So the way I responded with exclamation was, as I went, "Really? Really?" Now, I was amazed. He thought I wanted to argue. Now Here's a guy that has forgotten more about Jewish history than I will ever know. He is the expert. He could have decimated me in an argument had I wanted to argue. I didn't. I was amazed. But here's what's important he thought I wanted to argue. And I'll never forget his response. I'll be 95 years old and won't forget this. Here's the guy that could have won the argument easily. And here's his response. Oh, shame. Peace between us is the most important thing. If one of us needs to be wrong, let it be me. I was confused, <laughs> which made it worse because my response to that was, What? He said, oh, peace between us is the most important thing. If one of us needs to be wrong, please let it be me. The world needs to see us at peace more than I need to be right about anything. If an outsider looked at our conversation, let Jesus be glorified. I don't need to be right about anything more than I need the world to see us at peace because of the finished work of Jesus. And I said, I said, Ari, did you think I was arguing with you? He said, weren't you? I said, okay, first, I apologize that my tone of voice might've made it seem that way. Please forgive me, that's first. Second, let's just get this straight. This is day one, we're gonna do this for four days. Um, we're in Israel and you're the history expert. I won't be disagreeing with you about anything. That's, that's second. And if I did, the problem is me. I said, I was amazed, man. He said, Were you amazed? I said, I was amazed, Ari. I was amazed. He said, Oh, so you weren't disagreeing with me? And I said, No, we're in Jerusalem. This is Jewish history. You're the expert. No, I wasn't disagreeing with you. He goes, Oh, good. (laughs) He goes, Because I knew I was right about that, but my (laughs) goodness. he said, Shane, the world needs to see us at peace. He said, if, if outsiders look at our conversation, may they see us at peace. Now, that's a man that understands that the cross and resurrection isn't just the forgiveness of sins. It's the end of hostility. Now, now this, is, this is also Jesus talks about.
1: Thanks, fans. How cool is that story, hey? And that the world needs to see us at peace. And, you know, it's, there's so many times on social media we see Christians arguing about a point. And it just drives a wedge between them and God. May we be ones who show peace first. <coughs> it's so important. So I want to just quickly share on the brilliance of um, Jesus in, in Matthew five, thirty-eight to forty two, um, just before he says, Love your enemy and all, all of that, if you can bring that up, Perns. It says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to the to the uh, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants you to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. <coughs> Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Cool. So I just want to quickly unpack those three things to you, the slapping of the cheek, the... Um, the giving of your clothes, and and if someone gets you to walk a mile, walk two miles. So, Miss Morrison, can you come up here for a sec? So it says in that first one. Um, <laughs> all right, we're going to slap. So, Perna, can you bring up the verse, the um, slapping cheek, turn to the to him, the other, turn the other to him also. So, I'm slapping him with my left hand. All right. So, but if I if Morrison turns the other, in the Roman culture, they had class systems. So there was class. There were class two citizens, and and um, the Jewish. People. So what they were doing? If I had a confrontation with Morrison, and I wanted to have an argument with Morrison, if I wanted to have an argument with Morrison, and, and he was class eight, and it's it's no good for anything. It's the hand you wipe your butt with, kind of like it means nothing. So you'd slap it. But Jesus was saying, Nah, turn turn the other cheek, um, and not to say like, lovers equal. We're on an equal pay. It doesn't matter who you are or whatever. But let's have this out. Like <laughs> the second one, it says in Levitical, give you um, and some of them have your cloak also. So back in back in those time in Levitical law, if if some of the money is, they will take your cloak, your you know your jacket off you, your garment off as well, and give them that as well. And in Levitical times, it was actually as they're doing is exposing that person for greed. And, and um, everything I because I don't really care. But it's exposing people with greed, with generous, and expose them. <coughs> this is Jesus showing us how to expose people for it. And it says, um, the third one, Roman soldiers have come in, and, uh, and what the Roman soldiers, they had to carry these, like, 30 kilos. So what the um, Roman soldiers would do was get these Class 8 citizens to to carry just amazing like tax rorts back then as well and, and everyone was paying tax upon tax. Um, you know, we will stop them from working and creating the government gonna be too tired and too exhausted to go back and do their job and and, and earn us more more profit. So mile marker, run, start carrying it that second mile and be extra generous in carrying it mile. But what it is, soldiers would be um, charged that money what those people could have made. So again, excuse me, um, by saying uh, I'm gonna go this extra mile for you again, just just showing how to how to how to live in in this kind of like, Ever again, he's crazy, and then he's cost me money. So, um, use makers in a time when it's it's war coming at you. you. Let's just talk about this like like equals, like adults. Let's. I'm not better than you. You're not cool.
0: Cool, and I love that too. I guess, the ways of the world in terms of that. This is what the Romans would have liked, but living kingdom. And I, what you were saying, too, about the giving the extra clothes. I know Bobby Houston said in a message, someone had prophesied over her that people have come and tried to take pieces of Hillsong and pieces of what they've done. But Bobby has said to them, you're not taking it, I give it to you, I give it to you. And because of that, there's a great blessing. And so I think that's powerful. Sometimes we think people are taking things off us, like in terms of that cloak and that tunic, but the heart of God is actually, no, you're not taking it, I give you generously of my life, I give it to you. And there's a blessing that comes as we are generous. So lots to get your head around, but super cool. Let's get the band up and we're going to sing and... I know, as I said, that was lots, lots to take in in terms of how we relate to others well and how can we, we can be just living in peace. I love what Josh said, the world needs to see us as a people at peace, ultimately. And I just think when you get into the rhythm of being compassionate, of showing empathy, of loving others, of serving radically of being peacemakers when you get into this rhythm of relating to others well of reconciling people to Jesus it's a truly beautiful thing and Bobby actually says it's actually a little bit addictive and intoxicating because you just once you see one person's life change you just want to do it again and again and again so let's stand and I just think there's something of that that we're going to step into a greater way this year as I said last week we're coming into a season of great fruitfulness the ground is yielding its crop. It's ripe for salvation. People are being drawn to God. The heavens are dropping their dew. There's a grace over relationship. There's a grace to reconcile people to him. And I believe there's going to be a great joy ahead this year as we continue to draw people to him. And just my last little point, I think um, um, we've said a lot, but when it says the heavens are going to drop their dew, do you know that um, in the natural dew only falls on exposed parts of the landscape? Like you don't get it in under things that are covered so I just think there's a dew of heaven falling there's a grace from heaven to reconcile people to Jesus to be peacemakers to love others but the dew only falls on the exposed part so I think that's a really important key for us to keep our hearts open and exposed to God because the dew can't fall where we've got our hearts closed up so even now may we just open our hearts before God there's been any dryness or covering may God refresh and in summary, the vision is to grow in relationship with Jesus and others. The mission is to love others. Sorry, the mission, is, the vision is to grow in relationship with Jesus and each other, and the mission is to love others. And the ground is yielding its crop. The heaven is dropping that its due. I'm just going to pray for us, and um, may we continue to be growing in all these things we spoke about. And then I think we're going to worship. Happy with worship? Yeah, that's worship. So God, I just thank you so much for your heart for us i thank you that as we grow in relationship with you that as we grow in relationship with each other, God, that naturally our heart's going to beat for what your heart beats for. I thank you that you will continue to develop compassion and empathy and audacious love and this radical service within us that you're going to help us grow in our ability to be peacemakers, to be at peace with one another. So we we focus our eyes on the goal, as Josh spoke about last week, which is relationship with you and each other. And I thank you that as we do that, God, you're going to help us to be effective ministers of reconciliation. I thank you that the heavens are open. There's a dew falling on relationship the heavens are open to reconcile people to you I thank you that the ground is yielding its crop God That there's just a harvest spring after people who are searching for you may we grow in our ability to be more skilled in relating to others and God we want to see heaven full and hell empty that's the desire of our heart and I just thank you that you stir that insatiable passion in us for others less of us more of you I thank you that as we continue to die to ourselves and even maybe those arguments and those things where we want to prove ourselves right, God, I thank you that we're going to continue to see fruitfulness and harvest spring up. Thank you that you're with us, God, and even now we just take this moment to worship you. Oh, no, I just remembered, as we worship, I want you to practically think about who are you dreaming of salvation for? Who's on your heart? In all these things that we've spoken about, who are you believing for? Is there someone you're sowing into that you're believing for them to be reconciled to God? So let's have a little think and a dream, and I want you to, in worship, may God... As he puts people on your heart, write it in your phone, write it in your notebook, go home and write it down and we're going to believe this year for these people. Thank you. Team.